The gospel reading comes from the 23rd chapter in Luke, reading from verses 33 to 43. Listen now to a word from the Lord. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man, he has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today is Christ the King Sunday, and maybe some of y'all saw people around church last week with this crown on as our children, and maybe even some of our adults were studying King David, so maybe that's our reference for kings. However, today is Christ the King Sunday, and this title, Christ the King, it may evoke in you a why now or what does that even mean, Christ the King? College students or young adults might be arriving home and those vacation days for Thanksgiving and Christmas are nearing. And then what is this Christ the King Sunday? As the scripture teaches this morning, above the cross of Christ, the instrument of his death hung a sign. This is the king of the Jews. Earlier in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus was brought before Pilate for questioning, and Pilate asked Jesus, Is it true that you are the king of the Jews? And Jesus responds, Those are your words not mine. Before the church moves into Advent, the beginning of the church liturgical year, the church prioritizes this moment of questioning and crucifixion with our Lord. 
This Sunday, we remember a king born in the poverty of a manger, a king, a provocateur of the religious and civil establishment, a king who paraded into a city to shouts of, Hosanna, save us, and then was crucified. Before we begin the cycle of the church year, we settle into this Sunday to remember King Jesus, treasured for his undying mercy and acts of justice. King Jesus, who gave his life that we might have life and have it abundantly. King Jesus, who loves us with a perfect love, a never-ending love. A king who loves the whole of who we are, broken, fragile. King Jesus, who turns the notion of kingship inside out. Christ the King Sunday leads us as the church into Advent, and this year's Advent theme will be what can't wait? Yet before we get to that anticipation of Advent, this scripture this morning is asking us to examine our saving Lord as a king who forgives and comforts and invites us into the challenge of living the same actions of forgiving and comforting in our lives. To be forgiven and to forgive brings a sense of settledness of happiness in the biblical sense, of level walking on a smooth and level pathway. When we hear in the Psalms, happy are those, that Hebraic word, behind the word is the sense of walking on a level pathway. To comfort and to be comforted allows one to live with a sense of gratitude. And that gratitude was heard in Anne Lamont's words, which Frank read this morning in the preparation for worship words. Gratitude tugs at our sleeves and says, wake up. Look around at the kindness that surrounds us, the love that we are being shown, the hope that now begins to make sense. And I wonder, is gratitude tugging at our sleeves? I've been thinking a lot about forgiveness this year, and I intentionally use the word thinking because I tend to think sometimes more than I opt towards that feeling side of things. But I've been thinking because of a letter that I received reflecting on an event which happened a decade ago. The letter began... I used to think that time healed all wounds, but now I'm inclined to think differently. Instead, I think it's open and vulnerable communication and deep and abiding faith in a living God. The letter writer really was a stranger to me all those years ago. And when I read the letter, I learned that long ago I'd said some words at a Montreat youth conference that caused her pain and suffering. And although we'd addressed those words at the conference with the conference pastor, and although I thought that it was overdone, said, put away on a shelf, she had continued to carry the pain of my words 
neither forgetting nor forgiving. Her letter to me was an act of forgiveness and Christ-like love. It required a response, which we have begun. But without the letter, I would not have known about the power of how words can carry lingering and festering hurt. With it, I would tell you that I have grown in faith and in the power of forgiveness of a living God. It makes Christ's proclamation of forgiveness for all, all the more real and profound. And I have an overwhelming sense of gratitude for Christ's love and the, the ways that Christ's love moves through God's people, acting out of faithfulness, trusting and guided by the Holy Spirit. On the cross, Christ exhibits this saving love. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus says these words of forgiveness about those who, without one word, watch the violence and the injustice that he suffers. And Jesus, in that place, pleads for the forgiveness of others. And he offers these words of forgiveness to those who scoff, mock, deride, and even cast lots to divide his clothing among themselves. Scripture is packed full of words for us about forgiveness. Bear with each other and forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. Rid yourselves of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other just as Christ in Christ, God has forgiven you. And as far as the east is from the west, so far God has forgiven you. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Christ the King fills the gaps where we are unable. Maybe we are provoked or maybe we bear a grudge or maybe we are the victim or the perpetrator. But Christ was the King of divine and saving love. And he said, God forgive them for they know not what they do. We also hear it in the tenderness from the cross to the criminal. Today you will be with me in paradise. The jeering at Jesus, the prodding at him does not sour him into unkindness, mean-spiritedness, or numbness. Instead, Jesus comforts those closest to him and seeks forgiveness for all. And here we are on Christ the King Sunday, invited into an opportunity to think about God's radical love in Christ Jesus, in whom we are forgiven and comforted. After worship today and following lunch at a called session meeting, we will hear faith statement journeys from the new officers whom you have elected. 
And in their stories, we will hear testimony to God's grace at work in love and in forgiveness. And this evening, we are invited to participate in the start of a discernment process about how we as the church, as Idlewild specifically, are called to the work of forgiving and loving, of forgiving and comforting on the issue of immigration. We will watch a documentary, Locked in a Box, and listen to the stories of people who have been held in U.S. immigration detention system, and we will hear the stories of those who visit them. And this is a story which touches our church. As we have a member of our congregation, I have permission to share Dionisio Salazar, who is with, who with his wife Nancy, know the painful separation of deportation. This church-wide discernment process is an invitation to faithfully consider what it means to be an extension of Christ's love, as we are no longer strangers. Clayton Christensen, who was a Rhodes Scholar, but he's most widely known in business circles for his concept of disruptive innovation. He currently teaches as a professor at Harvard Business School. Before his students graduate, he asks them three questions. How with certainty will you measure life's happiness? How will you ensure that your relationships with family and friends will be an enduring source of happiness? And then his third question, which seems somewhat out of place, but how will you stay out of jail? When he was a Rhodes Scholar of the 32 students in his class, two were jailed for choices that they made. In short, what I know about the answers to these questions are the tr is the truth about what makes for meaning or happiness, that level walking with our Lord. And what makes for happiness in life, it isn't money, but it is the opportunity to be stretched, to learn and to grow in accepting responsibility and to contribute to meaningful relationships, forgiving, comforting, receiving forgiveness, and receiving comfort. In Advent's approach on this Christ the King Sunday, I pray that God might instruct us, instruct us well to know a God of love through the unwavering love of God. To God be all glory, now and forever. Amen.